Yeah, let me do that. Uh, unfortunately, I thought I had my mic and like headset thing, but I apparently forgot it in Texas, so I'm just the worst here. No, it's, and yeah, I know. It's fine. <laughs> I know you're the worst, Steve. You're not the worst. <laughs> it's like you. I know you weren't planning on even having to do this, so this is. It's cool that yeah. you're trying to fit it in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've uh, basically blown off this podcast for a long time, so. Okay, you ready? Yeah, whenever you are. Welcome back to the Christing Culture. This is Gordon. And this is Steve. And uh, yeah, it's a crazy week this week. You were out of town, right? Yeah, so I am recording with you via Skype from Western Pennsylvania. And I just got back from camping in like Hershey, PA, like Hershey, like Elizabethtown. So it's kind of like by Hershey and Harrisburg and Gettysburg and all that. So yeah, I was out camping with my family and now I'm back at my parents' house in their spare bedroom. And I was not intending i didn't know we were like uh it was funny like i didn't realize that i was going to be recording this week and so it just sort of lucked out that i was able to have access to internet with them and so i'm not on like my personal laptop i am borrowing one but yeah so you were camping up until pretty much this morning and clint is back at his hometown because kinsey actually one of our patrons is getting married i I don't want to screw this up, but I think this weekend and oh, nice. he's a part of the wedding party. And so he's like been doing the bachelor party as well as whatever other preparations this week. And so he he had like maybe an hour here or there, but it was at like times that I couldn't do it. And you obviously couldn't do it while you were camping. Right. So this kind of like fell together and you're just on a computer. You don't even have like a, a mic or anything. You're just doing it. So if this sounds a little weird. That is why. Uh, yeah. Once again, life has happened, but uh, because of that, we're kind of on a time restraint, and so we're just kind of kind of jump into today's episode. Sure, uh, yeah, I will. I will say though, you know, I, I actually kind of like this having coming come back from camping. It's sort of like I'm roughing it with the podcast, and I was just sort of roughing <laughs> it in my parents' uh, um, camper, which is a joke because we weren't really roughing it. We were in we were in a um, uh, we were in camper. So it was good. I mean, we were out camping for sure, but um, about the most luxurious way you can camp other than having like a fully decked out RV. You know? I mean, even with an RV, I imagine just being out in the woods during a time like this is is just nice. Yeah, yeah it, and it was. And it was, um, you know, it's not like they have like a super nice mobile home or something like that that costs, you know, $300,000. It's just halfway decent mobile right. home or uh, rv and it you know it's a pull along and i mean it's good it's definitely it's tough with three full-grown adults in there because it's not a lot of space it's not like a pop-out or anything like that it's just sort of like a very humble <laughs> thing but yeah. it's very nice i mean they take very good care of it and it was it was good to be able to see them i hadn't seen them since thanksgiving so yeah yeah that's, that's a long time uh well today I also, I mean, I'm not out of town or vacationing, but I'm also just trying 
with trying to balance ministry have been really busy and so like last the last episode i did with clint kind of like pulled out of thin air and this episode i was trying to like all our recommendations right now that we have from people are like either full like tv series that i haven't seen or like a movie and i really just don't have time to even sit down to watch a movie right now so i was like what am i going to do and then i remembered that there was an episode i've always wanted to do with steve and i haven't done it mostly because steve you haven't been on the podcast in a while it's good to be back so yeah and so you know we've talked about a few odd topics like art or D or things that aren't necessarily like a media in the sense that you might think right off the bat and so steve and i not only share this podcast together we are also good friends uh, i would like to say um, I, I would agree i would agree <laughs> But yeah. we also both love beer. And it's true. And we brew beer together. This is also true. I think that's been mentioned on the podcast before. But because of that fact, I've always wanted to do an episode about beer and brewing with with Steve. Uh, and so to kind of start off, just two simple questions for each of us. What is it about beer that you enjoy? And what is it about brewing that you enjoy? I would say kind of to come in on this on one on one token, kind of going back a little bit. It, it's always funny because I, like we brew beer and I actually really I really do enjoy brewing beer with you. And it's it always comes down to people will ask me about, you know, a hobby or a fun fact about myself. And I'm always sitting there being like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I have any like really cool hobbies. And then it's always like, oh, wait, I brew beer. That's kind of cool. <laughs> it's always really funny how that works out. But. Yeah, I think that this sort of fits in with some of our other ones that aren't quite media, but are still cultural phenomenons, like still parts of our culture. Yeah. Uh, which is still sort of in the scope of what we're doing. But to, I guess answer your questions and not go on too much of a tangent. Funny enough, so I like beer because I, I mean, I, I do enjoy it. I, um, it's something that I find enjoyable to sit down and have a beer. And obviously, I like the taste of certain beers. But I would say for me, the thing that I've always enjoyed about beer the most is sort of the the brewery aesthetic or like I am not the, really the kind of person that sits in my house. Like I don't really drink by myself. I've never have. And that's never been something that's been super appealing to me. I like the sort of social aspect of it and sort of the communal aspect of it of, you know, kind of going out with some friends and having a beer or two and just kind of all that comes in there, you know, and it and in a certain sense, I think that that beer brings us together. It brings us into communion with one another. And so that's what I think I enjoy about it the most is just that it's something that I enjoy and it's something that my good friends like you, Gordon, enjoy. And so it's always it's always been good to just sort of be, you know what, we've got a lot going on, kind of stress, you know, kind of want to hang out with my friends, just want to go do something chill. Let's just go to this brewery and grab a beer. And so what I enjoy about brewing is, is kind of like that. Like I really enjoy you know, with the exception of the podcast, um, and with me being gone from the podcast for so long, brewing was really when I got to see you. And so in a certain That's sense, true. it sort of binds us together. The other thing I really like about brewing is just sort of the, the kind of brewing, at least from what, you know, from my, my limited experience, or, you know, you've brewed a little bit longer than I have with you it's sort of both an art and a science. And so there is a lot of science that goes into brewing in order to make sure that ratios are the same and it turns out well. And you can ask Gordon and I what it what happens when you sort of 
don't know what you're doing and then things don't really turn out the way you intended. And we've had some really interesting beers come out of that. Totally. But on a certain hand, on another hand, there's sort of an art to it and there's this sort of creative freedom to be like, well, let's, let's sort of play with this or that and see how this turns out. And sometimes we've made some, I thought really good things doing that, that brewing is sort of a, a creative outlet that is, is similar to sort of what Tolkien talks about, where it's it's kind of like a, a way in which I live out my life in God's image. Uh, my ability to subcreate, as Tolkien talks about it, like I, it's being able to do something with my hands. You know, sort of the fruit of the vine work of human hands. It's it's participating in our ability to work, in our ability to create something, to sort of put in the effort. And, and and have have fruit come of it, uh, and so that's sort of my very long expletive on that. Um, yeah. And so I'm just kind of curious as to yeah. So what do you enjoy about beer, and what do you enjoy about brewing? Very similar answer. My 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 answer about what I enjoy about beer is about two things, and it's one the the community social aspect. I just you know every. Every kind of group, whether it's video games, anything, is it just the real hype of it is community. And so I always just loved going to a brewery or places and like sh- talking to the ones serving about different styles that we liked, the ones that knew, and just like that being a really easy conversation, the the enjoyment. And that's going to actually come up later on as we break that open. But the other thing too is the really the art of it is what you were saying. I just love the art of beer in the sense of when it comes to brewing, I like knowing that beer really only compromises four ingredients and changing the the way you add those ingredients, changing, um, adding like the artistic style that you were saying, like if you want to add like orange peel or some other kind of flavor just to change it. When, when I brew, I really get to understand the intricacies and like the, the the perfection of the science part that you're talking about that you have to do mm-hmm. to a level that when I go out and I now get to taste another beer that someone else has made or another brewery has made and I can I can notice each one of those four flavors and I can say, I can like imagine what they had to do to produce this beer mm-hmm. um, and I really really enjoy that I, I I enjoy the the part of like having to be very meticulous as well as having to wait like there's the other part once you finish the brewing like brewing we do it in a day but then it's still like a month later before we can actually have that beer and that's a that's it's, it's i just really enjoy all of that and so to preface this episode i know not all of our listeners are of drinking age and so this is not a podcast that's promoting like beer in the sense of go out and drink it, go to enjoy it. Beer is good for everyone. But just that, you know, I think sometimes alcohol could have like a negative connotation. And I just we've done, you know, dark episodes in the past and shine light on like how that shows how that still brings us to Christ. Uh, even Steve on his revival episode recently was about loneliness because um, we're in the state of loneliness right now. So just this idea that beer, too, things that we enjoy can all still point us to Christ. And I think this this is the point of this episode I was trying to hit on. So Yeah, absolutely. And just for posterity's sake, mm-hmm. you know, obviously make sure that you, if you are of drinking age, you're drinking responsibly. Um, yep. And that just remembering that 
you know, a, a good, you know, having a beer among friends uh, is not drunkenness, but drunkenness is a sin. <laughs> yeah. And so you just have to make sure that we, we are living our lives in moderation. Right. Uh, those are important things to keep in mind. So, yeah, I was, yeah, that I was going to come up, get into that a little bit, but yeah, moderation. Right. Is awesome um, so just to open real quick on a little bit of facts about beer, uh, beer is actually one of the oldest recorded recipes in the world. I didn't really know that until I was prepping this podcast, but mm. as far as like recipes that are recorded on documents, beer is the oldest. It dates back as far as 5000 BC. The ancient Egyptians documented their process on papyrus, uh, but their beer is probably very different than the beer we have today. It's more of just like fermented dates, pomegranates, and just like herbs. So it's almost like a very heavy, probably very... Um, bitter and like just starchy like tea drink that also has alcohol in it so it's not really the same but according to what went into it the ingredients it counts as beer um but one of the first barley beers uh uncovered is from the i'm not probably gonna butcher this but the zagros mountains in iran and that dates uh, about 3400 bc so about 1200 years later um and for those that don't drink beer, for those that are like, I don't know anything about beer or the brewing process, uh, there are four, like I said, there are only four ingredients that really go into beer. And then you can add others if you want, but it's just water. Um, hops. Hops are little green plants that bitter the beer. Barley, which gives you like the color um, and adds the sugar to the beer. It's pretty much just like wheat. And then yeast. And we all know what kind of yeast is the agent that makes bread rise. Yeast is what eats up the sugar and adds the alcohol. As far as, because we're going to go into like the faith, you know, the, the Christ in beer, essentially. Um, as far as in biblical times and in that kind of thing, uh, hops really weren't as used as much in beer. You, you don't, you, you know, hops kind of came in a lot later when, when beer was being more the process of beer was changed and they realized like, oh, we can add this to add a bitter agent and balance out the sweetness. If you go into like old, older times or like uh, some of the Belgian and Trappist beers, they're a little bit sweeter and a little bit more whiny because of that fact. Yeah, they're almost like a, it's kind of the idea of like a barley wine, right? Which exactly. is a type of beer, but exactly. it's sort of an older recipe. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as you knowing stuff about beer, hops do go into it. But as far as the scripture components around beer, hops really aren't going to come up. So let's start in scripture. Wine is mentioned, as we know, everywhere in the Bible. It's it's mentioned in the Psalms where didn't write down which Psalm this was, actually. But it pretty much says, uh, you know, God, you cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for the people to use to bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the human heart. And so like we know that uh, wine in the sense of like Noah and onward is was used to be of good drink, like you, like you already stated, in moderation. We can assume maybe that it says the plants for people to use that could be for teas, for food, for vegetation, but also uh, barley and wheat could have been used for, for beer. And then as we also know, wine ends up becoming the source in which Jesus uh, offers his blood to us later on in this everlasting sacrament. So wine is mentioned and foreshadowed a ton in scripture. There's lots of examples of drinking in moderation and obeying the ways around wine and spirits in scripture. But where is their beer? Um, yeah, and I, and I kind of want to just 
tangentially enter into something here. I forget the exact details of it, but, you know, one of the first civilizations on Earth was the Mesopotamian Empire, right? And that Mm -hmm. is right there um, with the the Tiger, the Tigris and Euphrates. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tigris and Euphrates River, uh, right in that valley. And uh, that region is kind of a lot, very close to uh, where a lot of the stories of the Bible kind of come from. I believe that it was that Abram, who later became Abraham, was from the city of Ur, which was a powerful city in the Mesopotamian Empire um, at its height. And so, you know, he came from that region. He came over to the land of the Canaanites. And the reason I bring that up is that one of the oldest, that sort of Mesopotamian Sumerian empire, that Middle Eastern um, ancient empires, I believe it was the Sumerian empire. They had an obelisk with a bunch of laws in it. And one of the laws on it was about beer. Oh, And so uh, they actually talk, I forget exactly what it was, but it was something about how much beer you could, you could have or, or, or something like that. But there was a law specifically talking about beer in that region, even probably predating a lot of scripture um, or running tangentially to a lot of the very old Old Testament scripture, um, but definitely was there. um, I mean, it definitely predated, you know, most of the rise of Israel and and, and a lot of the Old Testament, um, but definitely was around even even as far back as Abraham. Um, and, and maybe even before, you know, with some um, huh. some of the others that, that led up to him. So I say that saying that even though scripture doesn't explicitly mention it, history tells us that right. beer was in those in that region yeah. during these times. Yeah. And the reason the reason why scripture is not going to really like talk about beer is because scripture is the covenantal story from creation to the new covenant. And wine and like other drink is mentioned because of wine becoming, like I said, the use of our salvation um, through God's blood and through the, through the reception of the Eucharist. Exactly. And so they, they talk about wine and strong drink a lot. Right. Um, and foreshadowing of what's to come. Right. And, and the specific reason, yeah, exactly. The reason that wine was singled out was because of its tie in as the blood of Christ. But there was other there was other drink. Right. Yes. Yes. So. And and to say what you were just saying, uh, there is a Hebrew word in Scripture, shakar, uh, which is probably what they referred to on that tablet. I, I need to look into that. That sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's found in Isaiah 511. Um, I actually should have just opened up and see what it's in. It says in modern text, but Numbers 6:3. I think it probably just says strong drink. Some some scholars, some people that look into that say that is beer. That's what they're talking about. Because the barley wine that you were talking about, the, the type of beer that would have made back then, is very strong. It's a much mm-hmm. stronger beer than, than some of the beers now. Uh, so others say it's, it's, it's some form of liquor. So it's a possibility that there is a few mentions of beer, but there's no way to well, know for sure. And, it, and it's interesting because we brew beer and we drink beer, but um, if you think about barley wine, right, just like what barley wine is, um, it's a very simple sort of beer. I mean, it's it's essentially a wine made out of barley. It's a beer, uh, but it's some it's a lot stronger than a lot of the beers you and I know. Yeah. And a lot of the beers that we have are much more processed and filtered. But yeah, the the things that they may have been brewing back then that were technically beer, 
yeah, we're probably much higher in alcohol content than what we're having. And funny enough, had a lot more nutritional value because it was basically bread, you know? Right, right. And so as far as scripture goes, what I did kind of pull out was it does mention those key ingredients, water, mm-hmm. barley, and yeast. Um, and I thought, I was like, why why just talk about the ingredients? Like, what's the point if it's about beer? It's because I, I thought about the part at Mass when when the priest, you know, gets the bread and the wine before this part of the Eucharist. And he says, like, blessed are you, Lord God, all creation, through your goodness we receive this bread we offer you. Through the earth, work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. And same with the wine. Well, if we're if we're thinking God for like the creation of bread and the creation of people that created the bread, then like God created the water and the hops and the barley and the yeast that creates this bountiful drink that we are talking about, which is beer. So water, when it goes into beer, water is 90 to 95 percent of beer. It's pretty much all of it. That's the liquid aspect of beer. Uh, mostly is pretty much water. Water as we know, is one of the earliest elements God created in the creation story. It's a symbol of sustenance and a blessing from God. Uh, Jesus speaks about this life-giving giving water to the Samaritan woman at the well. And as a lot of there's a lot of saints that we'll get into a little later that are saints, patron saints of brewers and, and beer, because back then there was no good filtration just system for water. And so a lot of beer we know actually did exist. A lot of low ABV beer, just beer, because it was healthier to drink that than it was to actually drink the water that they, they provided. And and then we also know stories of of like Mo. Oops. Almost said Moa, but Moses, who you know used his staff to produce water from rock and used a staff to separate the Red Sea and then destroy the Egyptians under that. And this article I was reading that was kind of helping me with these points talked about how beer is also a similar drink, which it's 90-95% water, can raise us in liveliness, can be this like sustenance um, and and, commu- and bring us into communion, like me and Steve talked about like what we enjoy, but can also do great damage, like the Red mm-hmm. Sea um, in Exodus. So yeah. it's a bit of a stretch, but you can pull from it if you want. Yeah, no, I, I think it's good. I, I think just overarching wise, and, and uh, well, maybe, maybe I'm kind of, jumping in a little bit uh, early you you can move on if you want or jump in you know one of the things too to keep in mind is is the this image of a wedding feast Mm -hmm. now explain that uh, that the wedding feast and and we actually see christ participating in a wedding feast um, and not just in eschatological sense but in a very physical and real and historical sense at the wedding at cana and there he had turned the water into wine, but he had turned it into the good wine, which in one way shows that he is always a giver of good gifts, yeah. um, but also that that the wine was there and it elevated the spirits. And there's there's something about yeah about like about um, about the communal aspect of bringing people together and them just sort of having a good time um, and the celebration that is pleasing to God. Um, And that heaven is very much described as a wedding feast because it has that same sort of elation. Um, And so I think there's something to be said about, you know, like obviously there's a big difference between getting drunk and being immoderate and doing, you know, sort of dumb things, (laughs) uh, having your inhibitions Mm -hmm. dulled through the use of strong drink, um, drunkenness. 
But uh, there is also, on the other hand, something uh, that brings us together and sort of raises our spirits and is like good and holy. And that God uses that imagery of like people hanging around a wedding feast or, you know, you and I, Gordon, at the brewery, just having a good beer that that when God talks about communion with him and eternity, he's talking about that level of that. He kind of uses that communion and that elation and that joy that we find with each other um, over just a, a good drink um, and just sort of elevating everyone else up and just enjoying each other's presence. And he kind of uses that as like, this is kind of almost what heaven is like. Um but to the extreme because yeah. you're related by my presence, right? Yeah. It's like my love that is going to be giving you this joy. Um, and so it's more pure and better, but I don't know. I, it's just something that kind of came to my mind and uh, just thought it was maybe shed some light onto it a little bit. No, I think that's great. I, I love that. Moving on into barley or grain where that's mentioned in the Bible. We have tons of parables when it comes to a one sport of grain, which is wheat. There's a parable of the weeds among the wheat um, in Matthew 13. Um, and then this is my favorite that I found in Deuteronomy when they're talking about the holy lands that Jesus, or not Jesus, I always do say that, that God was bringing um, the slaves from Egypt to. Um, it says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters welling up in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. Yeah, and so this land had wheat and barley, and I just thought that was a really cool, because I, I didn't realize there was actually the word barley in, in Scripture, but there is. Um, and the, the Holy Land, the land of milk and honey, uh, produces that. Uh, wheat and grain, as we know, is a symbol of belief. So we have this, this symbol of uh, liveliness, a symbol of everlasting life, water, of, of rebirth, of our baptism, and the symbol of belief, grain, because in, in, in Deuteronomy and Exodus, the Holy Land is what they believed in, what they were trying to journey to. That was that was where that grain was. And then in the parable among the weeds, the weeds were those that uh, did not believe or that sinned and put things above God. And the wheat that was to be cropped were those that believed in the kingdom. Um, and lastly, this one's really easy, the um, yeast is pretty much mentioned whenever there's the talk about leavened and unleavened bread because yeast is kind of that uh, that ingredient that makes it leavened but outside of scripture one thing that i found that pretty much i think me and steve probably talk on the most is the community aspect of of beer i found an article talking about this guy who is writing a book. His name's Trevor Gunlock. And the article is a little bit old, so the book might exist. I just don't know what it is now. But the, the article said that Trevor, the author of a forthcoming book on the theology of alcohol and college life, points out the significance of the term pub, short for public housing. Mm. And, and he says, a house is a place for the community to come together, whether they are people already in relationship with one another or people have not yet been introduced. When you think of the Christian community, a pub is in some ways similar to the narthex of a chapel. It's a gathering space in which we can encounter Christ through the other person. Mm. Yeah, I think that that really kind of goes into what I was talking about earlier. But, uh, but I actually really like that. And I think it goes to show again about how, you know, Obviously, meeting people in the church and the narthex and everything is, is a beautiful thing and good. 
and holy, and we should uh, we should actually take time to get involved in our parish life. Um, but I think there's also something about encountering Christ out in the world and showing the love of Christ to others out in the world. That truly, that is our calling. Um, and so there's something about this sort of community space about people who are gathering together that I think reflects that reality that reflects this ability to participate in love and to participate in love is to participate in god's very essence to participate in god's divine life yeah yeah so i i actually i think that's kind of a kind of a cool thing uh and this idea the idea of the public housing it's uh one of the one of the places down in houston or i guess the clear lake area that clear lake area that um, down in the Clear Lake area that we would go to often is a place that serves Vietnamese food uh, or Vietnamese fusion sort of food right, right, right. Um, called Nobi, Nobi Public House instead of Nobi Pub. But it's sort of that same concept of this public house or public housing. Right. But it's where we would go and they have a lot of beer on draft. And that's kind of where I I met up with a lot of a lot of good friends there and really deepened my relationship with them. So, yeah. Yeah, and there's a, I know Lizzie was talking about when she was in Ireland with Net Ministries. Uh, you know, she did you know what's known as pub ministry, where basically you're evangelizing in bars and in pubs, and that's something that I've always said. If I wasn't, you know, people are you know, the question: if you could do anything you want, like what what job would you do? Or if you weren't doing ministry, what would you do? And for me, I'd be a bartender. Hands down, I would own a brewery or just be in a bar. I would just want to serve drinks because I know people go there to either find communion or to like kind of if 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 they're drinking without without a moderation, they're trying to drink away problems. And I just want to be the one not only serving them drinks but talking to them and being mm-hmm. able to walk with them in that journey. Yeah. And it reminds me of this next part that I wrote down, where Pope Francis writes in the Evangelii Gaudium. Uh, which means the joy of the gospel, that whenever we encounter another person in love, we learn something new about God. And so thinking of those two things about like the the public housing and 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 that phrase, I was thinking like when we you know, well, the part that you and I like sharing a drink with someone, when we have a drink in our hand and and we have like a shared space and we have this similar joy of that drink, uh, it breaks away this bound those barriers that we might subconsciously like put up. And it allows for this space of just more open to like giving and receiving authentic communion and authentic versions of ourselves in love. And what Pope Francis is saying is when we, when that happens, this allows us in a rather new and different way, this chance to learn something new about God from others. It's absolutely true. There is something to be said that that, yeah, that we, we tend to put up these walls a lot. Um, and sometimes we don't even know we have them up. And sometimes we build them high. And like it's like we don't know how to take them down sometimes. We build up these walls to sort of protect ourselves. But that vulnerability, this sort of sense of breaking down those walls that we build up between us and others and us and God um, are the very things that need to come down for love to exist. Mm-hmm. For us to live our call as Christ calls us, to we need to break down those walls um, and actually allow people in. Um, and yeah, there's something about uh, you know you're just there and you're you're sharing this drink and you're having that communion where you, those walls just seem to come down naturally. Um, 
and you sort of just even uh, even oftentimes in a very unspoken way you grow in intimacy with this other person yeah yeah and sometimes it just it just takes a common ground and so like that like if you realize if you someone else enjoyed something that you enjoyed it's easier to go up and start talking about that thing mm-hmm. but like when we just go into the church sometimes and we're just in the narthex like going from that previous example and we don't necessarily know the people around us we're just going to our weekly obligation at church we're more pretty much shied away and even though the common ground is church most of us don't really want to just like walk up and be like hey how's your prayer life to like some random stranger just start talking about our faith so it's just different when you're in a different environment and you and you know someone else's joy is something the same way so like going to a, a game night with friends is is another thing because you're going and you all know you want to play games you're all going to hang out um that's what makes it easier to find this common ground remove those barriers and then enter into uh whether subtle it's probably very subtle but a subtle authentic love among others mm-hmm. yeah the other aspect which might be something people think about or not but is that uh, monks actually brew beer Mm-hmm. They have for a very long time. And so I found this article talking about that, about one of the first Trappist breweries in the, in the U.S. Um, and it's basically Father Isaac Keeley. Um, he's a Trappist monk at St. Joseph's Abbey um, of Spencer, Massachusetts. And he, it's him and he has 50 other, 53 other brothers. So there's 54 of them. Um, and they pray their you know, holy hours kind of in, in what's considered a brewery, but also what's considered their home. Monks have have been brewing beer since as far back as 1820 CE. Uh, the first or the oldest known, um, basically they found in like drawings is St. Gall Monastery in Switzerland. And I just have a few quotes by Father Keeley that I think are really good. Um, he, he says that the brewing process, and this is going more into the brewing than, than the beer itself, but the brewing process is compatible with the rhythm of monas- monastic life, that the process of converting barley grain to sugars and getting the liquid ready to turn over to yeast is actually a pretty quiet and contemplative process Mm. i don't know how you feel about that i feel like for you and me it's been a little more hectic (laughs) definitely definitely i think if you were brewing alone it'd be more uh contemplative but um when it's you and me and we're trying and also we've tried to do some pretty hands-on beers yeah um, it required a little bit more attention so yeah Another quote that he has, it says, the beer culture in the West has certainly grown, and in my opinion, so has the hunger for God. Mm-hmm. Beer acts as the safe connection for people to inquire about religious people or religious institutions like monasteries. Yeah, I think it's true. I went to, the college I went to was a, a, a monastery, um, and they didn't right. brew their own beer, but they definitely had... Um, we would have events on campus where we would actually go and we would, if you were over 21, obviously, if you were under 21, you could go, you just couldn't drink. There were a lot of things where it was just like have a beer and, or it was like, we would have like kind of a, like not quite theology on tap, but sort of like a tapping theology, which was sort of inverting the words. And, but yeah, we would go to a local sort of pub and, and kind of hear from speakers and be able to inquire into those things. And then on a side tangent was coffee. The other one was coffee, right? And so yeah. I think in a lot of ways, I also, and kind of a side tangentially, I really <laughs> enjoy a good cup of coffee uh, for very much the same reasons I enjoy a good gla- a good cup of beer, right? 
pint of beer, I guess is a better way to say that. Um, but, it, but there's this, yeah, it, it, I just have experienced this fact that it, it allows you in and that, um, you know, there's a place funny enough in, there's a, uh, a sort of a, a bar, but it, it specializes mostly in beers. Um, and the, really their shtick is that they have a bunch of these Belgian Trappist beers, mm-hmm. um, that are monk beers basically. And the name of the place is called The Hoppy Monk. And it's got a picture of like a Trappist monk uh, silhouette. And I really like that because now I don't know if the owners there are Catholic. I would I would not be surprised if they were given the fact that they named a place The Hoppy Monk and sell a bunch of monk beers. But that something like that, even if someone isn't necessarily sure, willing to necessarily sit down across the coffee table or across the... Uh, the brewery table, so to speak, and talk to you about Christ. Like there's something non-threatening about that, that they can come and they can be like, wow, like these monks are brewing beer and I really like these kind of beers. So maybe, you know, I'm kind of interested what, what gets, what started them to brew beer? What's kind of the history there? And then that flows into sort of the history of the Catholic church and its influence on Western civilization on brewing really? a lot of beers to basically give people a drink that they could, uh, drink and not die of dysentery right yeah um and it it gives this non-threatening way to sort of open up the conversation to where those two people can sort of begin the conversation and at least maybe open up and soften their hearts to a deeper conversation about you know what is the what is the church and what is faith and what uh you know what are we really made for and sort of what are the purpose of our lives you know yeah um, all those really important questions yeah and and so we have you know we have the the history of beer we have the the history tying into monks brewing that beer we have this idea that we know the ingredients um and uh, and historic like biblical history points that beer existed as well as the community aspect and the aspect of what, uh, what you stated that i really liked of um of the the feast and the celebration you know like sundays are sabbaths and and as a as a way to sabbath and celebrate um and lift lift your glass to god is as an, another way to celebrate and so we have all those ways that beer and just even any drink really can can tie us back to god but we also like i've forementioned earlier we have the saints um, and there are saints of beer one that me and me and steve know best is saint arnold of Metz, and I think we know him because there's actually St. Arnold Brewery out here in Houston. Yeah. Um, he is the patron saint of brewers. He himself was a brewer, but the funny thing with all these saints is they all have stories associated with them about beer, but nobody knows if any of them are true because they're, they're almost kind of like legends. And right. So two that St. Arnold had was uh, he would dip a crucifix into a brew kettle uh, to bless it and then persuade everybody to only drink of that blessed beer. Um, and then another that's actually on the back of one of the cans that St. Arnold's Brewery puts out is that while people were headed to retrieve his body after he died, um, they became thirsty and they only had one mug of ale left. And so they prayed for a blessing to St. Arnold and that bl- that mug was enough for everyone to drink. They never ran out of beer. There's another St. Arnold I don't know how to say his, where he's from. Saint Arnold of Soissons. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's a patron of hop pickers. Uh, people usually confuse the two. He was more of the one that promoted people to drink beer instead of water. People usually, I always thought it was the Saint Arnold we know, but it's actually this guy. 
Um, and he is a tale also for multiplying beer when there was a shortage after an abbey's roof caved in. He he blessed the beer and one tap lasted for a long time. There's St. Bridget of Ireland. Um, she was good friends with St. Patrick and pretty much she just was f- fond of beer. She worked in a leper colony and she asked and all the lepers, you know, would time to time ask for beer and there was none around. And so she actually took the water. There's a story that she took the water that they were used for bathing and she made beer, simply by blessing it and gave it to them. Nice. Yeah. Uh, St. Nicholas of Mira, which is actually good old St. Nick. Um, he's a patron. <laughs> he's a patron protector of travelers and brewers as well. All because there's a story that he was at an inn in disguise while he was traveling to Turkey, and three tra- travelers were there and were robbed and murdered. Um, and Saint Nick prayed over f- for their resurrections. And I don't know if they actually did get resurrected, but I'm sure some legends say they did, some didn't. Just because there was beer at the end, he became also a protector of brewers. And lastly, Saint Augustine of Hippo. Um, he's not really a patron of beer drinkers, but a lot of articles say so just because of his. Uh, ragamuffin life before before his conversion pretty much you know yeah. like god make me sober just not yet i guess um yeah <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm actually gonna throw in one here that um that you haven't mentioned but i know um because i went to a benedictine college uh, uh is actually saint benedict the father of western monasticism i actually did know that but i it was yep yeah he is uh he is also a patron saint of brewers uh, specifically, actually, kind of for the reasons that we were talking about, that one of the reasons he is, is because a part of Benedictine spirituality is this idea of kind of radical hospitality. Mm. Um, and, you know, he would actually say in his rule that if you were in prayer and there was a knock at the door um, from a passerby, you were to stop prayer, go to that, like, that guest or visitor, make sure that they were... Um, like they were well taken care of and they had what they needed and they were set up for the night and then you were to return and then finish your prayer. Um, but that we were to actually treat others like they were Christ coming to visit us. And so they would, um, this, there was this radical hospitality in providing for visitors or passerbyers who would eat and drink what the monks did. Um, and eventually the monasteries began sort of selling their own beers to the public because that's what they were drinking was beer um, because it was sort of at that time where that was healthier or is less risk for disease uh, than water. So anyway, he kind of became a patron saint of brewers, um, I guess more for the hospitality aspect of this is what the monks were drinking. And so they were serving beer to these visitors Mm. um, in their sort of very uh, hospitality driven way. Huh? Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So the saints supported beer and they still made it to heaven. But <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I had. I mean, to close, I just wanted to say, like, like I said, this is not a promotion of beer or anything, but just that anything really in our culture and nature still has these aspects of our faith in Christ. But that to close out, we need to remember that, you know, it is. Uh, I have a few pieces of scripture that, you know, Psalm 23 says, for it is God alone who ultimately makes our cups overflow. Um, and Romans 15 reminds us and to us that also fills us complete with the joy that, mm-hmm. you know, good drink won't replace, won't replace God, but that it is just a way to celebrate in communion 
like Steve mentioned in that podcast on loneliness, that we crave communion with each other because that elevates us closer to Christ. Yeah, and I would actually point out that when we try to use alcohol to replace God is when we actually have all of our problems Yeah, um, with alcohol. Totally. That when we use it in tangent with, like, obviously allowing God to love us and receiving that and then celebrating is very different. So Yeah. So for two challenges, Steve, you can add to these if you'd like, but my first challenge is basically the community aspect that we both were talking about. I know we are in a time of still quarantine and pandemic, but somehow this week find a way in the midst of pandemic to create a communal event, whether it needs to be virtual or not, to simply hang out, play a game, have a dinner, or do something together in order to foster that space that allows those barriers to subconsciously um, and unknowingly be removed so that you can enter into a way to learn something new about God with each other. It doesn't have to be like a Bible study, just like a game night or something, because in that way you you create the space of communion. And the other challenge I had was something that we did in in our Exodus group. It's a fast that was mentioned on the app that I really, really enjoyed. Um, every time you have a drink of any kind, water, milk, coffee, whatever, for, before you take your first sip, raise that drink in thanksgiving to god whether it's for that drink or something but just raise that drink and say a small quick two word two second thanksgiving prayer to god do that for a week with every drink you have it sounds tedious but it's really humbling and really fun yeah i think those are both great i don't have much to add to that other than maybe you know if you are 21 and you um are someone who enjoys a beer uh, and if it's not beer you can grab coffee and you're not 21 you can grab coffee or something else but but if uh and you might need to be when um quarantine is over but i i think there is something to be said about somebody who who doesn't really know about the faith and just sort of inviting them in maybe over a beer or over a cup of coffee for those that that do not partake and just sort of having a, a very loving a conversation with them and a very non-threatening conversation um, and just sort of inviting them into that conversation and that communion and maybe have share some of what you learned here and if you decide to go the coffee route you can look up saint drogo uh, <laughs> yeah drinkers yeah one of my favorite saints and uh yeah so that's uh that's all i have to say uh, depending on where we are in this in this world by then September 9th is a uh, you know by by a priest a beer day so oh, nice. put, put that in your calendars and uh, use that to your liking but otherwise thank you so much for joining us this week on this unique episode uh, if, if you don't know where to find us we have a website the Christ uh, where you can find all our other podcasts all the other episodes that Steve's been on the ones that Clint's been on um, if, and our links to our social media, which are Facebook forward slash the Christ and Culture, Twitter, our handle is at on the adventure two, um, where you can send us other topics and suggestions like this, or maybe you're like, if you guys need a little quick bite in, in case you guys are busy like this again, you can send us those suggestions too. Um, and lastly, rate us on whatever source that you listen to us just give us a quick five star rating or or four star um, because that just helps the algorithms work out so other people can find us and that's a way in a, in a silly sense that's a way you can evangelize this podcast and i'll hopefully evangelize the way christ is in in our culture but to close out from a quote with saint arnold 
Uh, he says, from man's sweat and God's love, beer came into the world. So thank you for joining us this week. And we'll see you guys next time. Hey. Thanks, guys. <laughs>